After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! No, it is not a free agent frenzy, but I am going to ask a question about contracts and whether or not they continue on this week's edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. He's Josh, I'm Todd. Are you enjoying the festive holiday celebrations, whether it be Canada Day, Independence Day, or maybe you're making a really long weekend, Josh? Hey, it's it's a nice time of year. It's it's fun. Lots of things going on and the weather's good. So yeah, nothing nothing to complain about here. Still trying to play it safe. Watch that social distancing, wear masks, things like that. But still a good time to spend time with the family, get together and relax. I, I do miss the free agent frenzy, though. I, I always look forward to that on Canada Day. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a nice Canadian tradition that everybody sort of keeps an eye on the first signings for a first couple of hours, and then they well sometimes they start popping the cold ones before. But it's kind of a nice <laughs> uh, it's kind of a nice tradition. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast, powered by Team Stripes. Check them out for officiating equipment, apparel, training tools, much more. Check them out online. Go teamstripes.com. Follow Josh on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Scouting the Refs. To follow me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports. And of course, we accept your emails. Hey, ref, at scoutingtherefs.com. We seem to be edging closer and closer to the resumption of play, the play-in games, the postseason. It'll be a little different. And even as I gaze further down the horizon, Josh, I think next season is going to be very different from the NHL. I want to talk a little bit about that. And I also want to ask an important contractual question because, as you mentioned, free agent day, July 30th, and normally the officiating year and contracts end on June 30th. Have the referees' contracts been extended so that they can actually officiate when we do resume play? You know, I haven't heard anything officially about that. I know that they've got a new CBA as of the start of this season or the season that right. we're, we're, we're in the midst of right now. So I don't know that any specific provisions have been made for this unusual summer expectation and, and how things are going. I know from a playoff standpoint the officials typically get compensated with a bonus for each round that they work. I would imagine that that's going to continue right now. And, and from what I'm hearing, the playoff play in tournament may just be an extension of the first round. So I don't know that they necessarily have to do any negotiating or or whether they are, but I I think, you know, there's, there's some flexibility there. And I think everyone's on the same page. You know, you've, you've got no refs, you've got no games. They know they've got to be there. And, And I'm my, expectation is that this will be treated like the playoffs normally would and how that's handled in their in their contract it appears that we have been narrowed down to two hub cities it at this time of recording appears as though they will be in toronto and in edmonton both will be in canada i think that's disappointing to the league who really would have liked to have had one in each country would have been nice to help keep the countries engaged help keep the broadcasters involved as well but it's probably going to end up saving them a little money because the Canadian dollar is at a very favorable rate and all the expenses are paid in U.S. dollars right now. No, oh, that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I figured it might help with not having to worry about cross-border travel, especially when you get to the cup final, whichever city will host that. 
but I, I guess there's some benefit. But I, the, the almighty dollar, Todd, I think is, is probably the biggest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And safety, of course, too, because the, the COVID count is way down in both of those cities. So that is good. Um, you mentioned that it looks like we'll have playoff crews. So that does not mean the full complement of officials that are part of the National Hockey League will be participating in the final slate of games, I guess we should call it, to complete the 2019-2020 season. And this is typical. This this gets pared down at playoff time each year. That's correct. The league cuts the officiating roster down to 2020, 20 referees, 20 linesmen that will work the first round of the playoffs. And my expectation is that that's where we're going to be when we return to play. So you'll effectively see 10 referees, 10 linesmen assigned to each of those two host cities, uh, as well as some standby officials. The league typically names four standby officials for the opening round of the playoffs. I'd expect that they would do the same, possibly double that number, have four in each location just in case someone's injured or they need to have somebody available in case of uh, whether in-game injury, somebody's ill, something like that. So I think just to have that pool, I would expect that we'd have some standby guys in each building too. We'll see as play resumes that for some of the officials, nearly half the officiating roster, their season will have already come to an end. And that's disappointing for all of those that participate in the NHL in stripes to have their season cut short that way. But in particular, those that were planning on retiring after this season. And there were a number of prominent officials that were stepping away either as linesmen or as referees after this year. Typically, those officials do not work the postseason. Now, I know Major League Baseball has got some one-off rule changes coming, and I'll get to some other ideas and suggestions too. But how about for this year only? Because the season was paused and interrupted, wouldn't it be nice if those retiring officials were able to participate in one of the hub cities? I think it'd be great for them. I, I think they'd relish the opportunity to go out there for, for one more game. You know, it looks like for the guys who've retired or, or are retiring, you typically get to pick your your final game city. You get to pick the crew you're working with. You get some recognition after the game and handshakes with the players on both teams. So it's mm-hmm. it's a nice moment. It's a nice send off, and it's one that didn't happen for this year's retiring officials. It'd be nice to be able to do that. I I I know you're not gonna have the crowd there to take part in, or the family members in attendance, which is always a, a big piece of it. But I think typically the league tries not to have the focus on the officials. That's why we've seen retiring officials usually wrap up their careers in March uh, before the playoff push and before the opening round of the playoffs. I think it'd be nice for them. I think with what happened to end the season, I'd love to see them take part in the round robin tournament and at least get a final send off. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'd honestly, I'd be a little surprised if that did happen just because of, of how the league focuses more on the game, especially when it gets to playoff time and, and to not have that distraction or, or anything outside of the actual game to distract from the product on the ice. So I'd say it's unlikely, but yeah, it would be nice for the four guys who are heading off into the sunset this year. I understand the thinking that it's it's you don't want the focus on the officials and on the referees, but as we have used the phrase so many times, these are unusual times that we are living in. And I, I think I'm pretty amenable to not throwing the rule book out, but you know what? Let's let's do something special. Let's do something fun. Let's do something unique. And it's it's being discussed because you're going to have to present these games in a completely different manner. They're only going to be on television. There will be no live audience. 
a it's there's there's certainly no harm in that they're very qualified in their job and i don't think it would take away from the games and i think it would recognize guys for tremendous careers i i, I think it would i think you're right todd and, and just to acknowledge them to to give them that recognition is great if it's something that the league decides they don't want to pursue you know my my hope is that you can at the very least let these guys pick a game next season in the city they want with a four-man crew that that they won't be working the game, but at least they can have those guys on the ice to officiate their game and, and have that pregame ceremony, have that send-off, shake hands with the players, and, and have that recognition prior to one of the regular season games next year. I think it'd just be a nice way to do it. If if you can't make it work this year with the playoffs, let's find a time to to give these guys some recognition next season. Okay, recognition absolutely. Let's I I will I will say that we should have that. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast powered by Team Stripes. Check them out online. Go teamstripes.com for your officiating equipment, apparel and everything else. Since you bring up next season, which will be a very unique season in the National Hockey League, it's going to start much later than normal. We're not sure when exactly. It could be a uh, Christmas time. Maybe the next season will start with the Winter Classic that's proposed between the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. We're not sure yet. But it will be a different and unique season, as is every sport having a unique season this year. And Major League Baseball has come up with some unique new rule twists that are going to be implemented for this year only. It got me thinking that maybe we should consider this for... The National Hockey League as well. MLB, for instance, will have a universal DH this year. Extra innings will start with a runner on second base. Are there ideas that immediately pop into your mind about how we might try something different? And this is for one year only, I'm suggesting. There's no obligation to continue it going forward, but it's maybe a way to test out a few things. Hmm, that's that's interesting. That MLB take is is a, a pretty cool one. I guess you you juice things up a little bit to try to see if you can give the team an advantage and, and a better shot at scoring. It's, it's similar to the the dual possessions we see in, in overtime in football where, you know, each right. team gets a kick at it. I wonder when it comes to overtime, and I wouldn't do this in the playoffs, but what if each team gets a power play in overtime? What if you give the home team two minutes, you let them keep playing, you give the road team two minutes, and if it's still tied, neither team has scored, or they both score, then you let them play out the remaining five minutes of overtime. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Now, just to play that further, because I have another overtime idea as well. Would would you give them the full two-minute power play, let them score as many goals as they can? Oh, that's, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of giving them the full two minutes for every yeah. power play. I think that'd be an interesting way to do it, but uh, does that open the door to go back to the full two minutes for all power plays? I, I Got to think about that one. I think I think either way, it, it makes for an interesting dynamic in overtime. Well, that does bring up a couple of other areas. You mentioned that these are possibilities that you could experiment with for a year because the American Hockey League, their season next year is tenuous and whether or not it's going to exist. And that's often used as an experiment or a, or a laboratory for suggested rule changes. Maybe this would be a way to do it. And maybe all power plays should be the full two minutes the way they used to be many years ago. I, I wouldn't be against it. I know some people have concerns that it, it makes penalties too significant, but if the games are called fairly and the, the rules are enforced that way, why not put that up there and, and see the, the resulting boost in scoring? I was watching a game from the 90s the other night, 
and uh, early 90s and saw mm-hmm. how many power plays were awarded and how many penalty minutes these teams racked up and you know with with how penalty minutes on the whole have, have been down and you don't see the number of power plays that were in well at least in this particular game it would definitely spike scoring by giving those guys uh, some more time on the power play especially since the real reward would be for the teams who have already scored on it to get another shot and i i think that would be an interesting move i, I think that's one that i'd consider the other in terms of penalties, power plays and how they operate is to is to take away the option of icing the puck yes. for free without uh, without penalty. I've, I kind of go back and forth on this one. I, I mean, I still think that teams would ice the puck. You you just don't get the same kind of relief. Obviously, you can't change lines, but I, I still think teams would ice the puck even if the icing were called. I think they would. I think it's you know, it's a strategy where you're putting your faith in your centerman to win the draw and just ice it again or or try mm-hmm. to break out if you if you keep icing it and getting draws maybe that's a strategy it's a painful one because nobody wants more face-offs i think teams would resort to that but at the same time you know you get that 50 50 chance on the draw that that you've got sure. tired guys out there and if the attacking team does win it you're in a very precarious spot so I'm with you, Todd. I go back and forth on on how that would affect the game, but I do feel like we shouldn't be allowing a shorthanded team to get away with something that they couldn't do at even strength. Just from a, a principle standpoint, why are we letting them get away with icing the puck? I, I, I understand and I agree with you. So, which leads me to the next level in question is, do you make it more punitive? Okay, we'll give you one. You can't, you ice the puck, you stay on the ice, there's no line change. If you do it a second time, you get a penalty for delay of game. Mm, okay. I'm I'm thinking that that would be very punitive. Uh, you'll have guys who don't want to do it. And maybe it's, maybe you look at where they're icing the puck from. Maybe you at least make them skate it out past the blue line. And, and you know, if you can't clear center, maybe you allow them to ice the, ice the puck once they're out of their own zone. But if they're icing it from deep in two times, there's, there's your delay of game call. I, I, don't, know. I don't I don't mean to giggle, but I just thought of something. That that we're going to, if we do this, we are opening up such a can of worms, and I'll tell you why. If you, <laughs> you would need to use the blue line cameras, but in reverse <laughs> for offsides. <laughs> Did he make it across the line before he sent the puck down, hey, the, down am, the ice? I am not adding that to an eligible coach's <laughs> challenge. I'm oh, no, 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 no. And, and <laughs> was it a deliberate attempt to ice the puck or did it accidentally make it all the way down? So it becomes the puck over glass rule. Yeah, and we, you know, that's, that's one of those things in the rule book of up to the official's discretion on deliberate puck over glass versus unintentional puck over glass. And I, I mm-hmm. think, you know, maybe that second deliberate icing on subsequent face-offs would be something that would prevent teams from doing it. I, I know it would be one of those penalties, though, that we hate the automatic puck over glass penalty, and I'm sure some would hate that automatic second icing situation penalty, but it would be motivational to have teams try to do something other than throw the puck down the ice. It really would, wouldn't it? Um, I have a couple of other suggestions. Again, these are possibilities. Do you try them just for a short period of time and and see if you like them or not? And here's the one that will get a lot of attention. Do you widen the size of the nets or increase the size of the nets ever so slightly? Oh, that's that's always been a good one uh, from from incremental increases. And when you said mm-hmm. widen, I was hoping you weren't going to say rink there. So good. No, the, no. Uh, that we've we've seen the incremental propositions. We've seen that curved net. I don't know if you remember that one yes. from years back, where they they kept the corners in the same spot, but actually curved the posts and the crossbar out to 
make a little space there for the puck. I think that's an interesting one. I know some purists are against it because hockey rinks have been the same size, but we look at how goaltenders have changed over the years from their equipment to even the size of the players, uh, you know, the average height and weight of a goaltender being so much greater than it was in years past. And you, you couple that with the, with the approach and the, the butterfly and how they're coached. You're really losing a lot of net space. It's an easy way to increase scoring. I know it's one that that comes where where a lot of folks feel like you're you're changing the game too much. But we look at all the other rink dimensions that have been open. We've we've moved the blue lines. We've eliminated mm-hmm. the center ice line. We've moved the goal lines out. Then we moved them back. All those things have changed, and the goal where people are shooting the puck has not. And and I think it is a logical one. I know it's it's one that's very contentious on whether it should be done. But I think if you did want to increase scoring and open up the game a little bit, I think that is probably the easiest way to do it even though angles and positioning will be a huge challenge for goaltenders to get used to that adjustment i i think that is probably the easiest way to do it but equally it's it's probably the one that's met with the most resistance and i understand the quote-unquote integrity of the game argument but as you said the other the other dimensions have been changed in terms of zones and stuff and also the number of games in a season has been raised up and down a few times so it's just everything else has been changed you're right okay i got a couple of, i got a couple of other quick ones i want to get uh, i want to get to the other one to do with overtime again trying to decide games and do something different if 3 on 3 overtime doesn't solve the tie in the first 5 minutes do you continue play because this has been suggested to extend the overtime period? All right, I'll, I'll go with that, but you can't play three on three forever. So you pull both goaltenders. Ooh, wow. Bold, okay. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is, so you're putting, and this is, this is where I will object to this one. Uh-huh. It all comes down to that face-off. Potentially, yes. So... Why not just do faceoffs? We're going to do a best of five faceoffs. Whoever controls the puck three out of those times, you get the win. I mean, it's no different than any other skills competition that's, at that that's point. Not, yeah, that's not really as dramatic as shooting the puck <laughs> into the net. But I, I, I see where you're where you're coming from. It's yeah, it, you're right. It would be it would be very difficult if you win the draw clean. As a center, right back to your defenseman, you could fire the puck down almost in an instant. You, It's trying to prevent that quick, clean win. That would be the tricky part. So I'll, I'll rescue your proposition there, Todd, okay. and say running time, three minutes, most goals mm. scored in that time wins it. Because we, oh. we can't do first goal. But if we do let the clock run, you got three minutes to do it, and let's see who scores the most empty net three-on-three goals in that time. Then maybe you've got a competition. Well, that might be uh, that might be interesting. And no more face-offs. You just fish the puck out of the net and immediately keep playing, right? Yeah, this is, that's how I grew up. Right? Yeah, <laughs> street hockey, street <laughs> yeah. hockey. I did have one other quick one, too, and it, because it's, it's face-offs is what I was going to mention. I think this has been talked about a little bit. Instead of the lines, what's normally the linesman dropping the puck in to start play for a face-off is placing the puck on the dot and blowing the whistle to start play. It's not a bad idea. You line the guys up the same way. You have the puck there. You you have them jostle. Uh, you could even back them up a step or two to, to give some space so they're not already over the puck. I think it's a good one. Uh, I think it's an interesting one because it totally changes the strategy of, of what guys can do and the, the timing's a little different. And 
I'm not entirely against it. I've also heard a similar proposal where in, instead of some face-offs, depending on where the action took place, that you just loose puck it behind the net and and let the attacking team take it from behind their own net with possession from outside the zone, sort of like a you know a basketball throw-in or, or something similar. Right. Where and unless it's at center ice or, or depending on what the reason was for it, you just give them the puck outside of the zone and, and let them run with it. So I think... Either way changes things up. The the flat puck though makes it just reminds me of rugby scrums and just watching these guys go diving in there because you you'd almost blow the whistle and have it be a free for all there, which which could be fun, could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the the lacrosse face off too, yeah. where they place the yeah, ball in right. between the two sticks, and you're I guess you would do you have to restrict the what the what the wingers do? I don't I don't know, but it's again these are just kind of ideas that we're throwing out because hey we've got time we still we still haven't got a schedule for the game to resume. I mean if if you're not on board for having the drone fly in and drop the puck which which was my uh, my suggestion before of having that thing Love just it. hover in and drop it and we can we can do the flat puck on the ice i think you know the one good thing of it is you don't have an official in harm's way you you've got the guy backed up a little bit you can see what's going on there but uh, certainly you lose some of the excitement of the face-off and the, the anticipation for that d- puck drop all right but hey these are just ideas that we want to throw out there, and maybe you have others as well. Fire them off to us on our social media channels to follow Josh on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Scouting the Refs. It's at Todd Lewis Sports for me. And of course, heyref at scoutingtherefs.com for emails. Hopefully, next week we have confirmation of Hub Cities, the start date for training camp, and whether or not the refs are going to have their families allowed to join them at some point during the postseason as well. We're getting closer, I think, though, Josh. We're we getting are closer. Inching, inching closer. Now, now some hope cities then some more details i think you know, the more progress we make the more information we get the more comfortable it starts to seem that we we really are going to have a return to hockey the scouting the rest podcast is powered by team stripes your source for officiating equipment training tools apparel and more check it out goteamstripes.com be sure to subscribe to the scouting the refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts follow us on twitter at scouting the refs instagram at scouting the refs and visit scoutingtherefs.com. the